Hi, and welcome to Him We Proclaim with John Fonville. We're continuing our worship series called The Gift Giver and His Gathered Guests. Throughout each of these messages, we're learning more about historical church liturgy. Why do churches practice things like baptism, Lord's Supper, and more? Not only do these weekly practices teach us about the triune God we worship, it's also a foretaste of fellowship and community that will characterize the new heavens and new earth. Let's listen now to a message called The Gift Giver and the Blessing Community, Part 1. What kind of community do God's gathered guests then begin to experience when God's kingdom comes among us in grace and peace? And so that brings us to the next part of the liturgy, which is answered, and it's this. This is the fourth part of the liturgy. We did it this morning. It is the congregational salutation. It's the congregational greeting. From an opening cry for help invocation to a gracious, unexpected, divine greeting to a fervent, heartfelt, spirit-filled response of praise to our triune God, the service of the word continues with this warm and gracious greeting among believers, the Lord be with you and also with you. This congregational greeting, this Latin salutation is probably as old as Christianity. This ancient greeting is found in two different forms all over Christendom. Uh, The two forms are this, the Lord be with you, which is what we say, or peace be unto you. Both of these are of Jewish origin. And they came into Christian use from the very beginning. This congregational greeting can be found in the liturgy at various points in the service. It is most often said at the beginning of the liturgy, like we do, right before the collect of the day, which is the opening prayer for purity, which we pray. And it can also be said at the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer when we're taking communion together. Just a couple more background points about this. The traditional English translation says this, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Spirit simply designates the whole person. So it doesn't really make a big difference if the greeting says, and also with you, or if the people respond and say, and with your spirit. It just means with your whole being. The Lord be with your whole being. That's what you're saying back to the minister. So what is the congregational salutation and what is its significance and its application use in corporate worship? Why do we do this? Well, let me just make a couple comments about that. First of all, let me tell you what it's not. The congregational greeting, the Lord be with you and the response and also with you, that is more than a polite method of calling this meeting to order. It's not a fancy way to say, hey, everybody, good morning, okay? (laughs) These are not throwaway words, this informal. It's much stronger than an informal, hey, everybody, good morning. Come on, let's get started. Uh, Lord be with you. It's not like that. It's important not to dumb this down, and it's important to understand that these are not just throwaway words that you are saying, that I'm saying. As one pastor writes, he says, this greeting is not a statement that, hey, Jesus is here, so let's just get on with it. It's not like that. What is this? What is the Lord be with you and also with you? This this congregational greeting, what is it? This opening greeting is a prayer wish. It is a kind of mutual blessing. 
between the minister and the congregation. It's an exchange of mutual love and respect. Its underlying emphasis is the existence of a special relationship between the pastor and the church. This greeting is a responsive dialogue that takes place between the minister and the congregation that unites the people and the pastor in corporate worship before the triune God. It signifies a spiritual tie that exists between the pastor and the people. It is a spiritual tie relationship in a community that can only exist because the triune God of grace and peace alone can bring this to the church. This blessing, this prayer wish is offered to God, the gift giver, asking him to bring his gifts and benefits to another believer in the church. This is actually the second greeting. What was the first greeting that took place in the liturgy? The first greeting was God's greeting, God's salutation. This opening greeting that is in response to the opening Trinitarian invocation where we're calling upon God to come and be with us and to be in our presence and to help us and to serve us and following after God's greeting of grace and peace, his coming to us in blessing, we then respond with this blessing of one another. So it is the gift giver's greeting of us that in turn, listen, produces our greeting or blessing of one another. Having received grace and peace from the gift giver, the minister and members of the church respond to each other in a dialogue extending warm and friendly greeting, blessing of grace and peace to one another. The Lord be with you and also with you. This warm and gracious exchange between the minister and the congregation is the kind of community that the triune God of grace and peace creates in the church. Now, this greeting can be found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Go to the book of Ruth. And here you have this ancient Jewish greeting that occurs in Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. Boaz is coming into the field, and he exchanges greeting or blessing with the reapers who are in the field. And look at what he says in verse 4. He, Boaz, said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. That's where it comes from. The Lord be with you, Boaz, acknowledges the Lord's presence with the workers in the field. And the Lord bless you recognizes from the reapers that he makes their lives and work, both their lives and Boaz's life, fruitful. And apart from the Lord's blessing, there is no fruit. So Boaz's greeting with these reapers is more than a mere convention. He's not just showing up to the field and saying to these reapers, oh, hey guys. <laughs> he could do that. He may have done that, but that's not the purpose of what is going on here. Something much more profound. This warm and thankful exchange between Boaz and the workers in the field brings an awareness that, listen, God is present in the ordinariness everyday life of work. We can forget that when Monday morning hits, right? He's with us there. 
In the thick and the thin, he's there. The whole of life, including our daily work, is lived before the presence or face of God. Boaz is acknowledging this. There's also in this greeting an implicit acknowledgement of an essential dependence upon God for everything. He's the creator. We're the creatures. We have to live upon him. It is his presence that makes our lives and our work fruitful. The Lord bless you, the reapers say back to Boaz. As creatures, we are dependent upon our creator for everything. We, ha- we, we say in the prayer each week to teach us how to pray, Lord, we thank you for our creation. Lord, we thank you for our preservation, right? He created us, and then he preserves what he creates. All the blessings of this life, everything we're dependent, our salvation, all is dependent upon this creator God. As Paul says in Acts 17, verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. We're utterly dependent upon the creator. So you have this ancient greeting here in Ruth. Incidentally, this, this ancient Hebrew greeting continues today in the Israeli streets in Israel. You could hear people today in Hebrew greeting each other. This is bad Hebrew, but this is what they say. Shalom alakam, alakam shalom, which means peace be with you. And then also with you, peace be with you. And this is how they greet each other in the streets today, even today in Israel. Christians, because the Old Testament's Christian scripture, picked up on this greeting, this ancient Jewish greeting, and they replaced the Hebrew wish for peace, shalom, with the peace giver himself, Christ. So when we come to the New Testament, look at now the New Testament, turn to John chapter 20, and let's look at verses 19 through 21. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. The Jewish form of peace be unto you takes on very special and a beautiful significance in Christian worship. Why? Because this was the first greeting of our risen Lord to his disciples. Listen to what he says in John chapter 20. Look at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So twice Jesus gives them this ancient Jewish greeting, peace be with you. His greeting of peace was no doubt intended to allay the fears of the troubled disciples because John says that they knew Jesus had just been killed by the Jews. So in their minds, they go up and lock the doors to hide from the Jews because they're thinking, Jesus just got killed and we're next. They're deeply troubled. And so Jesus greets his fearful disciples with the first words, peace be with you. And then John says he shows the disciples his hands and his side. John says that they were glad when they saw the Lord again. And then John says that Jesus, to assure them, says to them again, peace be with you. 
These are very significant words in the Gospel of John because they recall back what Jesus has already said in this Gospel back in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus is about to depart. And so his disciples are troubled again. And he seeks to instill peace in their troubled hearts. And he says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then in John chapter 16, verse 33, the troubled disciples Jesus says to them, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. The gift of peace comes from the gift giver, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this gift of peace that he gives to us, as we've looked at previously, when he comes to greet us in the service, this gift of peace is reconciliation with God. He reconciles his enemies to himself and announces peace to them. You heard that in the absolution this morning where Paul says, therefore, having been justified by grace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no warfare. We're not his enemies. He has reconciled his enemies to himself by the blood of the cross. And then this gift of peace from the gift giver is this subjective, inner, quiet, comforting, it is assurance. Assurance that results from our justification and adoption as sons that all is at peace, and therefore I have peace in my heart, all is well. And so here Jesus in John chapter 20 greets his disciples as the one who has actually merited this peace for them. He just did this for them, and now he gives this peace to them peace be with you. Let's look briefly at the letters of the Apostle Paul. When we look at the letters of the Apostle Paul, various forms of this Christianized version uh, of this ancient Jewish greeting, it appears all over Paul. I want you to picture in your mind that when these letters from Paul were being read publicly to the church in corporate worship, where they were, the congregation was assembled for worship, They were hearing the Lord's ambassador, official spokesman, the Apostle Paul himself, pronouncing God's blessing of grace and peace upon all who were gathered right there. So I want you to picture this. First century, they didn't have the the written New Testament letters yet. This is why the word had to be read in corporate worship and why we still do it today. Uh, Timothy, give attention to the public reading of Scripture because it is the chief means of grace. It is the way God reveals himself to us in saving grace and power. So we're sitting here. We've never read. We've never read these letters. And all of a sudden, you hear Paul the apostle pronouncing the blessing of God of grace and peace upon your life. Listen to this. Paul concludes his letter to the Galatians with this congregational salutation. He concludes it, Galatians chapter 6, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Now again, spirit, it just simply means the whole of who you are in your entire being. What did the Galatians, what did they need most in their, in their churches? Grace. Because what were they leaving behind? Grace for a conditional covenant of cursing. 
So Paul expresses his desire for the grace of God to abound among the Galatians. That the grace of God would move in the whole of their being as he concludes this letter. He has this prayer wish that the grace of Christ will be the portion of the believers in Galatia. It's what they needed. It's what we all need. Listen to Philemon 25. Paul concludes this little brief letter to Philemon with a nearly identical concluding blessing as in Galatians. Philemon verse 25, he says this. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4, verse 23, Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22 is actually probably the closest scriptural approximation to the salutation, the Lord be with you and also with you, that we have in the New Testament. And so Paul concludes his letter to Timothy. Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. From the context of 1 and 2 Timothy, we know that Timothy as a young man was weak and fearful because of the conflicts he was facing in Ephesus to the churches, and he was teetering on maybe not being faithful, and he needed to be strengthened. And so what did Paul strengthen him with? Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. A prayer wish. Grace be with you. The grace of God, the presence of God, the blessing of God. Timothy needed this to be strengthened to fulfill his ministerial duties in difficult situations. And that's what we need in our life, in difficult situations. That's why the liturgy will come back to it. It's so important to hear this week after week. And so these are some places where we see these opening and concluding congregational salutations in both the Old and New Testament. The congregational salutation highlights and directs us into the new community that we are participating in. What is that new community? It is a community of of blessing. It is a blessing community. The liturgy doesn't create this new community of blessing. But the liturgy, the Lord be with you and also with you, week after week after week, shapes and forms us. It highlights and directs our hearts and faith to the fact that we are in this blessing community because of the triune God who has given to us grace and peace, his gifts to us. It creates this. It directs us to it, and it helps us and shapes us and forms us to give blessing to one another, teaches us to be a blessing community to each other. So, for example, the opening acclamation, this is how it works. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom now and forever. Amen. So by constantly returning to God and the kingdom, the liturgy, listen, is announcing another order of reality into which we are being called. Let me say that again. By constantly returning each week to this acclamation, returning to the triune God, to his kingdom, the liturgy is announcing that we are being called into and directed into another order of reality, a new community that we're participating in. You see, the liturgy is not about us, but it is for us. 
The liturgy is about the triune God, the gift giver, and his kingdom into which he calls us. That's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, that we are to live worthy of the one who calls us into his eternal kingdom. Listen to what Mark Golly says about this community that we are brought into. He says, the gift of liturgy, and it is precisely why I need the liturgy, is that it leads away from the self and points me toward the community of God. The liturgy first leads us to the triune God. In the beginning was God, and that means in the beginning was relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't worship a solitary mono-God sufficient unto himself, but one who has existed from eternity in self-giving love among the members of the Trinity. If God is Trinity, is the core of reality of the universe, that means that the core of reality is community. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He, God the Father, delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. We have been brought into, transferred from, delivered from a fallen community, transferred into the new community of the kingdom of God the Father, and God the Father loves his beloved Son this triune community of grace and peace. And then in the congregational salutation, we're not praying by ourselves. We are praying together as a community, as one body for one another. The liturgy does more than lift us out of solitude, Mark Golly writes. He says it calls us into a community of flesh and blood, real people. While the prayers can be said alone, they are designed to be in a tangible fellowship of prayer. Like a compass pointing true north, they point us to the church. The liturgical prayers draw us together like tributaries into a river. It's beautiful. And so we as individuals, we do come to church as individuals from all different types of backgrounds and ages and ethnicities and education and social economic levels and we all gather as individuals we're coming as individuals different but then we come into this new community created by the triune god who has called us to assemble together as one body in christ and so Mark Golly says they have been individuals, but some white, some black, some poor, some rich. But now they have been called to come together in one place to bring their lives and their, quote, world with them and to be more than what they were, a new community with a new life. St. Paul puts it like this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you know what the church's demographic is? 
There is one demographic for the church, and it is in Christ. That's why I get so tired of hearing churches, oh, how are we going to reach the millennials? How are we going to reach the baby boomers? And they divide up the congregation and destroy unity. People have always asked me, why do young people come to your church? What's your strategy to reach the young people, the millennials in your church? I don't have one. Do you want to know what my strategy is? It is preach the gospel to the whole creation because everybody has two demographics. They are in Adam lost or they're in Christ reconciled. And so both the acclamation and the congregational salutation highlight and direct us to the new community that we're participating in. This is no ordinary community that we're experiencing right now. This is not ordinary fellowship. Every Lord's Day, we have a foretaste of the perfect fellowship and community that, we will, that will characterize the new heavens and the new earth. Every Lord's Day, this is a foretaste, and we become a blessing community. Isn't that beautiful? Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called The Gift Giver and the Blessing Community, Part 1. More from the series coming up next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.